The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by BetQL. BetQL is your home for info that you need to make yourself a smarter, better. NBA, college basketball, and the NHL, they've got you covered. Just go to BetQL.com, promo code SGP30. That's BetQL.com, promo code SGP30 for 30% off. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is the home for the avid sports better, providing insights, analysis, and free betting picks from cappers and bettors, including the crew from the SGPN. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube for sports betting. Check out all their free videos at betterthan.vegas. That's betterthan.vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com, promo code SGP. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, ring the bell. We are back in. We're off and rolling. And looky here, we've got championship fights all over the place to go over on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. So glad you found us, no matter how you did so, through a social media link, uh, through our friends at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, their network of shows, uh, however you found us through our website, bigfightweekend.com, etc. Glad to be with you. I am merely the somewhat capable host. Uh, I will have later on great guidance from Marquise Johns, the senior writer of bigfightweekend.com. He always keeps me in the middle of the road, keeps me straight, keeps me understanding what are the big fights and the big bouts. I should let you know that in my other work duties with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, heard of them? They won the Super Bowl at home this past week. Maybe you heard something about that, even though this is a boxing podcast, and I fully understand there may be some of you hearing us that are outside of the United States, but This is a fairly big deal, and if you're in the U.S., you know something about Tom Brady coming from the New England Patriots to lead the Buccaneers to a win. The boat parade midweek, Tom Brady may or may not have had too much avocado tequila. Uh, He kind of looked like guys uh, uh, taking shots from Canelo or Tyson Fury or uh, some of the big-time punchers, Gervonta Davis in the sport, and once they take the punch, they look like Brady looked getting off that boat uh, in the boat parade. But anyway, it's been a big festive week. In fact, I do this show right now. You cannot see me wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champion hat. I am in the bag for the Bucs. It's been crazy, but now we're ready to refocus, and obviously you're here to hear us talk about the sweet science. So let me tell you, uh, let me set the table. Coming up straight ahead, uh, we've got a junior welterweight contender, a former lightweight world champion, Robert Easter Jr. will be here. Robert is in action in the co-feature fight, Premier Boxing Champions on Showtime, coming not this weekend, but Saturday the 20th of February, uh, Hollywood, Florida, Seminole Hard Rock Casino, Uh, Or actually, you know what? This fight is going to be at the Mohegan Sun. I got to get all my fight cards straight uh, from what's happening in South Florida. So Easter is actually training in South Florida, but he will fight in the Mohegan Sun in the bubble uh, at the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut uh, as the co-feature of the Adrian Broner main event. Yes, Broner back as well. Marquise John's going to roll his eyes and have some thoughts on that later on. So anyway, Robert Easter uh, fighting a, uh, a fighter that he fought and beat as an amateur in the Olympic trials. Now they're going to fight as professionals at 140 pounds. This will be the second fight for Easter as a junior welterweight looking for a world title shot. So Robert Easter Jr. coming up here in advance of his fight on February 20th with us. Of course, the Canelo Alvarez fight with Abney Yildirim uh, to take place in Miami in two more weekends. So more South Florida news uh, there on that front. Uh, And Canelo, by the way, hinting that he may fight as many times as four in the 2021 calendar year. He is slated right now to fight February, May, probably September, and maybe one more time before the year is up. Uh, Can you say I want a portion of the DAZN subscriber money for extra revenue? I think you can. So the more times you fight, the more revenue there is from the subscribers, ding, 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 for Canelo. So in any event, Robert Easter is coming up. 
Uh, Marquise Johns, a senior writer, bigfightweekend.com will be up uh, to close out the show. And we've got so much to go over. We've got controversy. We've, we've lost, unfortunately, the main event on top-ranked boxing ESPN's card from Las Vegas Saturday night. Joe Smith Jr. was due to fight for the vacant WBO light heavyweight championship against a Russian opponent, Maxim Vlaslov. Vlaslov tested positive for COVID-19 upon appearing in the bubble in Las Vegas. So no title fight for Joe Smith Jr., uh, not by any of his doing. So that is scrapped altogether, and now they'll elevate the lightweight co-feature, Richard Comey, um, uh, Comey, excuse me, the former IBF lightweight champion is in action. It was to be the co-feature fight. It's now the main event fight, so they're having to scramble for top rank on just a couple of days' notice, depending on when you're hearing us. But there are title fights this weekend, including a DAZN show uh, that is coming up from the Fantasy Springs Casino, Indio, California. JoJo Diaz in action, IBF Junior Lightweight Championship. Speaking of the IBF belts, he will fight Shav Rakamov uh, in a scheduled 12 rounder. And then also a WBO junior middleweight title fight, 154 pounds. Patrick Teixeira and Brian Castaño have their title fight that has been delayed for about three months right now because of COVID 19 visa uh, issues, travel restrictions. Teixeira and Castaño, part of the championship doubleheader on DAZN streaming service from California on Saturday night. So we've got to talk about all of these fights with Marquise and much more. And and it is the 31st anniversary of the greatest upset in the history of boxing. I don't think that's hyperbole. Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson is the greatest upset ever. And it goes down with all-time upsets in any sport uh, really in North America, something like the U.S. hockey team beating the Russians in the semifinals and eventually winning the gold medal in ice hockey in 1980 at the Olympics. Uh, you talk about Villanova playing the perfect basketball game against Patrick Ewing in Georgetown. You talk, okay, Rocky Balboa doesn't count as an actual fight and upset. He upset, a, yo, Adrian, he upset Apollo Creed. In all the great ups, upsets, uh, Buster Douglas was Rocky come to life in February of 1990 in Tokyo. Got to talk to Marquise about the historical perspective that is coming up in a little bit here on the program. So all of that is laid out. Reminder, I should have already done this. If you have not subscribed already, subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get the podcast. Subscribe, rate us, review us. Uh, we appreciate any and all the ratings and reviews that we've been getting. Uh, keep those coming. More people will find us. Again, by the thousands you found us in the month of January, even without a lot of championship fights, keep it up. Keep helping us promote, rate us, review us, subscribe, and the podcast comes automatically to you primarily in the preview mode. All right, so the table is now set. Robert Easter Jr. is with us straight ahead. Marquise Johns with the fight news of the week, the previews of the weekend, Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson anniversary talk, and more. All of that coming up as we continue. Well, as we do continue along, it will be a very interesting PBC on Showtime card coming not this Saturday night, but on Saturday night, February 20th at the Mohegan Sun Casino, where Robert Easter Jr. is in action in a junior welterweight showdown. And he is with us now as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Robert, thank you for doing this. Appreciate uh, the time. I know you're in training. I know that the countdown is on uh, for this upcoming a bout that you're about to have, a contender bout that you hope sets you up against Ryan Martin, a guy that you have history with. We'll talk about that in a moment. First, yeah. how th how are things? How are things going as we're now about a week out from you being back in the ring? First of all, thanks for having me. Um, but uh, things been uh, – training camp been excited, you know, uh, more than focused, more than ready. And more than ex I'm excited to get in there after a year laid off, you know, just training – wondering when the next fight going to be uh, we finally here so I'm very excited what ha let's pick up right there what has uh probably all of it has been weird and has been difficult yeah. what has been yeah. the biggest challenge as the summer became the fall and you're used to being in the ring and you haven't been um just staying focused man just staying focused and not knowing when the next time you're going to be in the ring you're seeing uh past fellow uh mates fight you know, so you're like, dang, when are we going to get in? When are we going to get in? So it was just all about being patient and, and staying focused and staying in the gym. 
All right. You have been focused. You're a former world champ, uh, obviously. How much how much did that uh, motivate you as all of this has gone on with the pandemic and with the delays? The goal of being a world champion again, Robert, how much has it been motivating you? How much is it motivating you? Oh, man, it's been motivating because after I fought in October, you know, we was moving closer to getting another title and then the pandemic just pushed everything back. So, but like I said, man, I'm more than focused, uh, taking one one fight at a time and I still won't be champion. We're champion again. Robert Easter Jr. with us, 22 and one with one draw, 14 knockouts ranked in the top five by the WBA, uh, at lightweight and is also, Obviously, a contender at uh, junior welterweight here. Ryan Martin is a fighter that you know you have history with from the Olympic <laughs> trials previously. A little intrigue uh, here for this. How much, if anything, do you draw off of having fought him and beat him as an amateur? Does that really matter nine years later? Uh, it really don't. You know, we both made adjustments transitioning into pros, so I don't really think about that like that, but... Uh, Blue Chip probably does have a chip on his shoulder of beating me this time, but, you know, I'm not going to let that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least try not to anyway. You have been working out down in South Florida with Adrian Broner, among uh, others. What has that been like for camp preparation, Robert? Uh, It's been very uh, exciting and motivating. You know, he's a big brother of mine, so, you know, he pushed me. What does I push him? You know, like I said, um, we just both excited to get in the ring finally. Uh, and also we have Rashid Warren as well. Uh, and by the way, Robert's an Ohio guy, and he will testify right now because I'm in Tampa where the, the Buccaneers just <laughs> won the Super Bowl. A lot warmer in Florida than what it is in Ohio doing the road work and whatever oh, else. Much better in February in Florida. You approve, right? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so comfortable here. You know, I, I keep forgetting it's winter, but back at home, people keep sending me pictures and videos of it snowing and it's so cold. And I'm just like, what you talking about? Because I'm warm, man. I'm so comfortable. <laughs> Love that as you get ready for this one. All right. So the best case scenario here, you win, you win impressively. And then there is yeah. an undisputed bout coming at 140 between Josh Taylor of Scotland and Jose Ramirez. Uh, that is coming somewhere down the line. I got to believe you have your sights set on that, on the winner of that fight, right? Yeah, of course. I got my, my sights set on all the world champions, man. With, with, uh, whatever, whatever fight comes next, you know, we taking one fight at a time, like I said, to get close to that title shot. And, you know, I'm coming for all them titles. Hey, one more. We talked about the atmosphere at the beginning of the conversation. I'm sure you've talked with others. You'll be fighting this in the Mohegan Sun Casino without fans. In talking with others about dealing with that, it is definitely different that you're not going to have loud atmosphere, roaring, ooing, and eyeing around punches. What have others said? What are you preparing yourself for? Because it it will be odd. It'll be the first time you've experienced that. Um, let's see, I, I, me, I don't, I don't really like uh, being in front of a lot of people anyway, so I'm going to be comfortable. <laughs> I'm going to be comfortable, so it's going to be right up my alley, you know. What's interesting is Raul Marquez was on with us recently, and Marquez gets loud on the commentary sometimes, and some of the commentators, and he's given out advice, and he said fighters have heard the advice, and even cornermen have heard the advice, and a cornerman said to yeah. one of his fighters, do what he's saying, because yeah, you can yeah. hear everything, Robert, around the ring. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, uh, it's, it's probably going to feel funny, but, you know, like I said, I'm going to be focused, so it's going to feel like it's, it's a million fans there. I fought in front of one fan my first fight before anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> fought in all kinds. Hey, one more time, yeah. PBC on Showtime Saturday night, the 20th. Talk to the fans for a moment here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast on why they got to tune in to see you and see Ryan Martin and see Adrian Broner in the main event. Make sure y'all tune, tune in. You know, everybody's going to be action-packed live on Showtime. And uh, I'm coming, I'm coming, you know, fierce, man. So just make sure y'all tune in and watch the action-packed fight. 140-pound contender showdown, and this man is all business. Robert Easter Jr., thank you for hanging with us on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Great job. Thank you. But first, let's talk more about our friends at BetQL with the Super Bowl over and done with. We're turning our attention now to college basketball, the NBA, the NHL. And if you want an inside edge... 
for who the pros are backing, you need to check out BetQL. They've got algorithms that have simulated all kinds of different games, all the different angles, tons of sportsbook offers that they have on the site. Just go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, download the BetQL app, and get the opportunity to go and play. And we're going to make it worth your while because if you enter the promo code SGP30, you'll get 30% off of your first subscription. That promo code again is SGP30 at betql.com. Get the edge. They've got you covered. They've got all the great info over at betql. It's betql.com, promo code SGP30. We are also brought to you in part by BetterThan.Vegas. It's an all-new, completely free website sharing thousands of handicapping videos. It's like YouTube, but it's for what the DGENs only care about. Of course, the DGENs only all part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, the network fleet of shows. The best part is you get to watch all the video picks from the Sports Gambling Podcast network crew and what they're posting exclusively over on BetterThan.Vegas. They cover all sports, the NFL, college football, college basketball nba will be here soon as well if the free video picks aren't enough they're giving away cash one thousand dollars to the handicapper that wins the most units and a thousand dollars to the handicapper that has the most followers make sure you subscribe on the sports gambling podcast network page sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv better than vegas btv sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash btv so you don't miss out on any of these videos head over to better than dot vegas that's better than dot vegas to see more we're also brought to you in part by better edge the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market and the best part is it allows you to bet with no vig since you're buying positions from other sports bettors and there is no house you can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now we're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on three dog thursday and on wednesday and saturday pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of $1,000 in edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just 10 bucks. Sign up today at betteredge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Promo code SGP. We're back on Big Fight Weekend. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Indeed, we are back in, and I do welcome in the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns, ready to help me preview the weekend news of the weekend. Much more, including the historical perspective that has Buster Douglas. Can that be 31 years ago? that Douglas knocked out Mike Tyson. It is, in fact, true. Here he is, shadow boxing over in the red corner. Marquise Johns back on board on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. How you feeling, my friend? Pretty good, TJ. After a strange hiatus to begin the year with boxing, we have a bunch of boxing cards coming up, and they all start this week, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, championship fights in particular. We haven't had very much to go on, but we do now for this weekend. Let's begin with what I mentioned uh, at the at the opening part of the podcast. We lost the WBO light heavyweight title fight. Joe Smith Jr., his opponent, uh, Maxim Vlasloff, the Russian. They were supposed to fight for the vacant title. The opponent tested positive for COVID-19. So the top rank show is in shambles. They've promoted the co-feature fight with Richard Comey uh, into the main event. Uh, very disappointing for everybody involved. I mean, I saw Joe Smith Jr. give an interview on Thursday night as we're taping this podcast for the release. And he said, I I have been away from my family for a month. I have not seen my daughter in a month. I've not seen my wife with the COVID testing and the protocols. And it's all for naught. There is no fight on Saturday. So we begin on a downer note. That's disappointing. That one won't happen on ESPN. That's very disappointing, TJ. And it's also disappointing as well because I saw that same interview as well where uh, pretty much uh, the people that Joe Smith flew in to watch him in in the bubble this weekend – we're going to find the same way he just found out well, with this COVID test for uh, Maximum Vlasov coming positive, which is also strange too, TJ, because uh, the top rank in terms of trying to unify these belts at 175 uh, between this fight that's been scrapped this Saturday and the ongoing struggles between Arthur Better B of getting his fight off the ground since the pandemic started at this point, either in Russia or in the bubble here, it seems like we'll, we'll get the unification of those two fights one way or the other sooner or later, but not anytime soon. 
And of course, uh, Better Bev defeated Joe Smith Jr. It would be a rematch situation if he could fight him again. And help me remember, Better Bev also tested positive, or was it the opponent for COVID-19? So his late January bout that was supposed to have happened a week or two ago, that never happened. He's delayed further by that, correct? That's correct. And it was actually, it was our to be that tested positive forward that pushed this fight in Russia back originally with Adam Denias, the IBF mandatory. Uh, I think it's originally slated now for late March, last check. All right. So again, we start on a downer note there. So there's not much on the ESPN top rank show uh, to be paying attention to. But as we move in the sequence, the DAZN show that I referenced earlier in the podcast that, again, has a championship doubleheader from the Fantasy Springs Casino, Indio, California, Jojo Diaz, uh, Shav Rakamov, uh, 12-rounder. And again, this one was potentially going to be delayed by COVID-19, but Rakamov's test turned out to be a false positive. He kept taking COVID tests while quarantined, tested negative over and over and over again, showed no symptoms. That was back about three weeks ago, right, Marquise? And so this fight stayed on uh, for uh, Jojo Diaz's championship and the 12-round main event that's going to be on the DAZN um, uh, matchroom boxing show coming up. Spike card is one that was slated uh, to have that going on. Originally, I think this was the spike card that the zone had that had uh, Sergey Kovalev coming out to face uh, uh, Beck the Bully on it originally out over it, but until he pest tested positive for everything under the sun drug wise. So, in terms of that, uh, the main event for this one is, is the IBF man uh, challenger of uh, what Jojo D is taking on uh, Shot Ramoff. A uh, funny thing about this fight, TJ, is uh, Jojo D is taking this fight under some scrutiny because. Uh, he was supposed to have a rematch with Tevin Farmer, who he beat the belt, won the belt off of last January for. And that all fell by the wayside. And Tevin Farmer and Deluda Bell have been complaining about uh, pretty much Jojo Diaz not honoring the contract. So let's see if uh, uh, Jojo retains on this and then that actually bring back that rematch against those two down the line. And wasn't there a money issue? I'm trying to remember. We wrote about it on the website. I don't know if it was enough money and he could take the option to take this fight or if he just simply doesn't at the moment want to fight Tevin Farmer again after beating him decisively. So uh, we'll leave that up for debate. Diaz again defending his uh, junior lightweight championship, 130-pound IBF belt in the main event. Co-feature championship fight, Patrick Teixeira, Brian Castaño, this one, again, also delayed, but the pandemic and the travel visa situation to share had been training in Brazil and again, coming to the United States became difficult. They got this fight scheduled. They've both been in the U.S. training as it stands right now at the time we're taping. There's not a COVID issue. And apparently this fight will happen. And interesting, when we look at the odds for our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast, even though Teixeira is the WBO 154-pound champion, Castaño is actually the favorite in this fight, Marquise. He, yeah, absolutely, TJ. He's going to be favored in this fight because of the power that uh, Castaño has in his hands compared to uh, Teixeira, who pretty much, TJ, has won this belt that he's uh, defending against uh, Castaño pretty much on a whim as he had a, a slugfest against Carlos Adamas a while back uh, to win it, actually. And, and the, the good note about this fight, TJ, this fight should be the fight of the weekend, considering at 154, uh, our buddy uh, who on podcast guest, Dan Canobio from CompuBox, ran the numbers earlier this week. The number one and number two people in uh, volume punches thrown, Patrick Tessera, Brian Castaño. So this is going to be one of those in fights. Terms of that junior middleweights. In, two, in terms of junior middleweights, right. right? These are the two most active yes. volume punchers on the biggest stage. So we're not, are we going to go to the level, like I like to say, of Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Maybe not, but there's definitely going to be a lot of punches thrown, we think, in this 12-rounder in uh, California. Yes, absolutely, TJ. I don't think there's be too much accuracy involved, but they'll at least be throwing at him at least. And keep in mind that Jermel Charlo, one of the Charlo twins, has the other three belts allegedly after his win over Jason Rosaro. He has the air quotes IBF World Championship, but apparently still doesn't have the belt yet <laughs> after beating Rosario last September and also the WBC and WBA title. So if he wanted an undisputed fight, again, that's PBC fighter, versus matchroom fighter on DAZN with whoever wins this one. We'll see what they elect to do. And it's been mentioned, too, that Tim Zhu, the son of the Hall of Famer Costa Zhu, the Australian junior middleweight, undefeated, rising star, he's going to fight later here uh, coming, I think, in the next month or two, uh, that that Zhu would potentially be fighting Teixeira or Castaño uh, here maybe later in 2021. Would they do that in Australia? Would they do it in the United States? 
Uh, who knows? Keep an eye on that name, right? And that angle possibly for the winner of this fight. If they fight it in Australia, it would be a huge event and a big payday for whoever the champ is. The champ's probably going to make, uh, maybe, you know, I'm saying this 50% more to go to Australia to fight Tim Zhu, you would think. You would think, TJ, because currently in Australia, as we all know, as opposed to things in the United States, uh, fans are, are, are able to go to events down there as opposed to certain locations here in the U.S. Also, uh, keep in mind with, with Tim Zhu, uh, he would be the mandatory, uh, more likely with the WBO in that uh, neck of the woods if he gets passed. I think it's going to be mid late March against Dennis Hogan, who's his opponent out in Australia. All right. So, again, Zhu is expected to win there. Um, and, again, with the travel restrictions, of coming to Australia and having to quarantine for 14 days, et cetera. Uh, it would, it would be difficult, but you know, they, it, it, the, the winner again could be financially motivated to go there and fight him for the 154 pound version of uh, the WBO championship. Uh, we'll see. We'll see on that one. We continue to rock along here with Marquise Johns on the big fight weekend podcast, previewing the weekend. All right. Earlier in the day, uh, the DAZN matchroom show involving Josh Warrington. Warrington formerly had the IBF uh, featherweight championship, 126-pound championship, relinquished that belt because he didn't want to fight the mandatory opponent. The deal was not a good financial deal, so he ditched the belt. He's fighting Mauricio Lara, a Mexican fighter who has only fought one time in his career outside of Mexico, but he's in London. They're ready to go for Saturday. They've done the COVID testing. Everything apparently is a go-ahead here. So this is a non-title fight. Laura and Warrington does Laura. I mean, the the odds are significant in favor of Warrington here. Does Laura have much of a chance? I know you wrote about it on the website uh, leading up to this fight. What kind of chance do you give him uh, in the main event there, the DAZN show, Wembley Arena, London, Saturday afternoon, U.S. time? Not much, TJ, but I'm thinking if Laura can have Warrington go off with a slow start, he may at least somehow squeak past the over-under of six and a half rounds of which Warrington is expecting to drop him on this. And what's fun about that, TJ, is I think Warrington is not going to start off slow with this. This is just another stay-busy fight for him to keep keep things going for that eventual fight with uh, Cam Zhu. They, they, they mentioned Gary Russell Jr. <laughs> like with all that going on, but... This is just something for, for uh, Josh Warren to stay busy because he didn't want to fight uh, Kid Gallaudet for the second time for the IBF belt. He just decided to just give away. All right, interesting. So Warrington no longer the champ at 126 pounds. We'll see what happens in that fight. He's expected to win. He's heavily favored to win. We'll find out if he does uh, over in the UK. All right, a couple more uh, news items, and I want to talk some Douglas uh, Tyson um canelo alvarez and his promotional group got a license to promote fights in nevada hmm do i have to be sherlock holmes do i have to be on csi miami is that show still on the air do, do i have to be a good detective yeah. to figure out that canelo's next fight may very well be in las vegas at least with some fans in may for cinco de mayo weekend now that his promotion is able to now license and promote in Nevada, not just Canelo fights, but other fights. What do you make of that, Marquise? That's exactly what it is, TJ. But at some point in Nevada, Nevada gave him the license to run his own promotional outlet. Uh, Bob Arum uh, was speaking with uh, uh, the guys, uh, Steve Kim uh, and uh, Mario Lopez, free, not free knockdown rule, mentioned that they're working on having fans in the stands uh, later on down the line for future top rank cards. If it's, if it's good for top rank, it's good for Canelo promotions, which is his new light outfit. So pretty sure, TJ, once he gets past Anvil Yidrim at the end of the month, uh, he'll take on it in May, Billy Joe Saunders in front of fans for a single to Mayo weekend. It sounds like a no brainer. And this has been brought up before. We were talking about it with Wilder and Fury and whether they could fight with fans socially distanced back in December. And they were having to juggle around the Las Vegas Raiders football schedule at Allegiant Stadium, the big 70,000 seat NFL football stadium. If Canelo wants to fight in Vegas Cinco de Mayo weekend, he could theoretically, this is just me saying this have a fight at Allegiant Stadium if they secure the venue and have 15,000, 20,000 people potentially there spread out all over it uh, with social distancing. If Nevada's safety guidelines, the, the uh, health officials will go for it, if the Nevada Athletic Commission will go for it with fans. But this is clearly the first step, just one more time, that that's where that fight uh, could end up, the next Canelo fight. And, and obviously there'll be a battle. Will he go back to Texas and fight in San Antonio? He's fighting in Miami. Canelo Alvarez for the February show, maybe a little bidding war here. That's why Alvarez and his promotion want the license in Nevada. 
it's a possibility Taser that he could do that, do that as well, just to keep it not, you know, keep keep his options open, as they always say. And I'm thinking that with that in mind, uh, in case Canelo doesn't want to fight in Texas again, maybe he can go to to a better spot. Maybe he can find something. Maybe he can get a better deal in Nevada. Now that he has his own promotional outlet for it, he can pretty much call the shots on it. And one big difference for Nevada, obviously, over Texas and Florida is the amount of wagering and gambling in person at the casinos. The casinos are still open. Uh, right now, as it stands, they didn't close them back down because of COVID-19 and the and the outbreak that's going on everywhere all over the country. As people continue to understand, if you socially distance, you mask up, you continue to sanitize and clean, you can operate businesses. And the casinos are still at about 50% capacity right now with people around them. It's not the usual mob scene that you would see around fight weekends with people everywhere but you could still have some there, enjoy some of the entertainment, enjoy some of the casinos. That would be another incentive to have it in Vegas versus Texas or Florida for a May Canelo fight. That's me saying that. Let's see what ends up getting done. All right. Uh, remaining moments. Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, hanging on the podcast. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, quick thought on this. I wrote about it on the site. He announced midweek, I'm back training, and I'll have a fight announcement soon. It's anybody's guess what that's going to be. I think we pretty much know it's not going to be Conor McGregor in an MMA octagon yeah. after McGregor got beat up in his last UFC main event a couple of three weeks ago and had all those plans derailed. What do you believe is going on here? The next move for Manny Pacquiao, who's now 42, Marquise, and maybe only has one or two fights left in him at the highest level. What do you believe is going on later on this year? Speculate for me. I think, TJ, Manny Pacquiao is going to fight someone somewhere in a, more likely the Middle East that's going to give him the most amount of money in terms of venues and, and gate stuff and long and big money paydays. And that's kind of what Pacquiao's been, Pacquiao's been waiting for for the longest with all, out of all of this is this, who's going to give him the most money. I think that's why he sat out last year, TJ, because I'm, I'm still in the belief that I thought he was going to face Keith Furman in that rematch. You know, just a solid fight, low-key solid fight last, uh, back in 2019 when they fought each other. Close fight, could have gone either way, had Keith Furman not got knocked down. But we all stop, all see that's falling by the wayside. So it's looking like, by all, all things considered, because he gave up the, 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 the WBA title where they made him champion in a MRS or whatever have you. Cha I mean, champion you, in recess. You love that term. That, that Pacquiao yeah. is now the WBA yeah. welterweight champion in recess at the moment. And they made Ordenis yeah. Ugas as the, the Cuban-born fighter now as their super welterweight champion. Uh, do you want fries with that? Uh, but so do yeah. you believe it's Thurman that, that that's coming back around uh, there? There's been talk um, that it, it could be Errol Spence later in the year on a mega pay-per-view. You don't buy that. I don't see you. I don't see you lighten up on that. It's not going to be that. Who is it going to be then? Is it going to be Ryan I Garcia? Really is it going to be Ryan Garcia, which apparently was poo-pooed by Golden Boy Promotions saying, uh-uh, it's not going to be Garcia against Pacquiao because Golden Boy doesn't control the promotion and doesn't control the money. See, that's where I think I really think at the end of the day, once the, that they don't control the money until the, the money is negotiated correctly is my theory, TJ. And I really think it's going to be either Ryan Garcia or Mikey Garcia, who is still a promotional free agent who's just laying around and still wants a huge fight at 147. Is he worthy of a Pacquiao fight? Mm, maybe. Do I do I want to see it personally? Mm, not really. But he's mm. an option out there at 147 for him. And it's not, uh, I just don't think it's going to be Spence. That's just my thinking personally. Pacquiao right now at the moment, I believe it is 19 months of inactivity. Long period of inactivity right now for him since July of 20. Let me get my uh, New Year's right. 19. July of 2019 is the mm -hmm. last time we saw him in the ring. So the clock ticking on the, on the now 42-year-old. I mean, I know we saw a 43-year-old Tom Brady back to my Buccaneers as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, <laughs> have a great football season. But Tom's not throwing punches at, uh, at anybody and not taking hits without a helmet on to the head. A little different from Manny Pacquiao at 42 years of age with the reflexes and the punching power and the speed. We'll see. We'll see on that. Uh, we also lost former heavyweight champion Leon Spinks, who died from complications of prostate and a colon cancer in Nevada last weekend. Spinks at 67 had been in declining health, had rallied, had been near death about a year ago in March of 2020, right when the pandemic was going on, had rallied from that, had been better, obviously got sicker over the winter and passed away 
67 years old, most known for upsetting Muhammad Ali, February 1978. That anniversary is coming this weekend, uh, Marquise Johns, when Leon Spinks upset Muhammad Ali 1978. Ali obviously beat him in the rematch, but to only have eight professional fights, he was 7-0-1 as a professional, a former Olympic gold medalist. Leon Spinks pulled one of the shockers of shockers upsetting Ali. Absolutely, TJ. And that fight still is one of those where you look at it and it's like, how did this guy pull this off? Because he was the youngest champion and like, was it like under 10 professional fights? Was it 7 one that you just mentioned? One of the craziest scenes as well, TJ. I'm, I was thinking about this the other day, TJ. In terms of upsets, uh, that has to be number two, right? Uh, because uh, we're, we're celebrating the anniversary of uh, that whole Tyson Douglas thing, right? Yeah, we're about to talk about that in a moment. Certainly when he beat Ali, uh, he was uh, at least 8-1, to 10-1. to one. Again, he was a known commodity as the Olympic champion, but given virtually no shot, even against an aging Ali. But what we later found out is Ali was declining very quickly. Um, he still summoned everything and won the rematch in September of 1978, some seven months later, uh, in, in what is still the most watched heavyweight title fight ever. So first of all, I love going back. We love the historical perspective on Big Fight Weekend, don't we, Marquise? I love going back and listening yes. and watching Brent Musburger and the fight doctor, Ferdy Pacheco, call the Ali Spinks fight on CBS tape delayed. There was not a live broadcast on CBS. I believe it was on closed circuit, and they showed it like the next day or two days later on CBS they showed Brent Musburger. You are looking live. Uh, live. Calling the fight with the fight doctor with Jimmy the Greek as the unofficial scorer at ringside scoring the fight. Oh, wow. Jimmy the Greek wasn't on camera, et cetera, during the fight or anything. So it was just interesting to watch the first fight. Well, the second fight, the rematch, Ali defeated him. That was ABC. ABC paid $5 million to show Ali Spinks 2 live, which – that's $1978. So even if you, Ooh. I mean, it's probably triple nowadays, maybe quadruple. Let's say wow. they paid only 15 million in, in today's dollars to get the fight. 90 million people watched the rematch as Ali captured the title against Leon Spinks, captured it back for the third championship win uh, of Ali's career, the third time he regained the heavyweight title. 90 million only the super bowls have ever gotten that kind of audience Jeez. no other show no other anything 90 million that watched that rematch and spinks was part of that so sad stuff and his brother michael spinks is the one that defeated larry holmes in the two battles the spinks brothers are the only two guys yeah. still to this day to win the gold medal at the same olympics and the only two guys brothers to be heavyweight champion of the world in pro boxing how about that uh for the spinks nice Michael Spinks carries on, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's been a tough time dealing with lots of different people dying, and and uh, and sports figures, and uh, movie stars, etc. And you you hate this as life goes on, but Leon Spinks was a very big deal for a fleeting time period in 1978, 42 years ago, when he beat Muhammad Ali. Because keep in mind, for Marquise and the whole audience. Ali had beaten George Foreman in Zaire in Africa a few years earlier. He had beaten Joe Frazier in Manila in the Philippines. Ali had fought all over the world, had fought in the UK numerous times, had fought everywhere. He was universally worldwide known, and Leon Spinks beat him. And when Leon Spinks defeated him, that was only the second time that Ali had ever been beaten. At that time, and Ali would go on to lose to Larry Holmes, would go on to lose to Trevor Burbick to end his career. Yeah. This was the biggest of big deals. That is until, as we continue here, Buster Douglas defeated Mike Tyson this week 31 years ago. Uh, Douglas winning in Tokyo, Japan by knockout that is still the standard, the greatest upset in boxing history. It really transcended the sport. All right, so Marquise, give me your thoughts here. It's 31 years later. We love talking about this in the historical perspective. Buster Douglas over Mike Tyson. Give me some thoughts. 
still to this day, TJ, my favorite thing about that fight is not the fact that Tyson uh, lost to Douglas and being such a long, long shot, but they, it, one of the biggest disputed things, and it's well documented, was the fact that Douglas was essentially knocked out in that fifth round, and, and uh, the ref with the, with the fancy count still getting Douglas getting a very favorable ten count on that whole thing is still one of my favorite things that oh, that's always disputed. But you can't dispute the fact that Douglas came to fight that night, Tyson didn't, and that's why he became the undisputed champion in a huge upset. Yeah, it, it is still remarkable. I tell this story all the time. I was a college student in Memphis, Tennessee. Marquise, you were a little guy. You were like, uh, you were on the planet, but you were a little guy when this was going on. Uh, and Tyson's fights were always so one-sided, they'd almost become afterthoughts. And that's the reason why, how about this part of the historical perspective? Um, it, it had become such a, a challenge to, to raise enough money for Mike Tyson in his mandatory title fights that they had to start going to, to other options and even other countries. And so, believe it or not, former President Donald Trump did a business deal with Don King where he could promote multiple fights. That's why the Tyson-Michael Spinks fight was at Trump's, uh, was backed by Trump's money and the Trump Casino in Atlantic City when they fought in Atlantic City May of 1988. Another fight. There was another fight in Atlantic City that was also Trump's fight after that. I don't know which one it was off the top of my head. That was a Tyson title defense. They were having so yeah. little, so much trouble with the live gate and the interest that Donald Trump and Don King did the deal for Tokyo, Japan, because they could sell out the Tokyo Dome and make a bunch of money. Donald Trump was former pre President Trump was ringside next to Don King while all this was going on. And Trump even tells the story in the documentaries that he looked at Don King like in the second or third round and said, what is wrong, Don, with this guy, with Tyson? Because Douglas was dominating him with the jab, with the right hand. How wild is that? How many people remember or know that Donald Trump was bankrolling Mike Tyson and this fight in Japan and Buster Douglas ruined it for everybody by knocking Tyson out, Marquise? Still one of the greatest uh, upsets ever, TJ. When I, I remember just my record of it as a kid was this was uh, actually pay-per-view, as we all know. But HBO back in those days would show the pay-per-view the week after on delay. I remember seeing this the week after on delay at the parents' house when they saw this right. and everything went down. Right. Well, then, remember yeah, now, because, this was not. Was, OK, so let me correct you. This was not straight pay-per-view and they didn't have a lot of pay-per-view yeah. in 1990. A lot of times it was closed circuit where you had to go closed to circuit a ballroom. TV, right? right. You had to go to a movie theater. You had to go to some big place where they were showing it. This one was on actual yeah. HBO Live. And I don't know what they bid to be able to do the deal with Don King and with Donald Trump. But they ended up having it on HBO because as I tell the story, I'm in Memphis, Tennessee in college. Yeah. My college buddy had HBO. I did not. And so I said to him, roll tape, roll a VHS tape, a VCR on the <laughs> fight. And he was working that oh. night. And he said, why? Why Why do we care? And I said, just do it. I want to see Tyson maybe destroy this guy in one round. Well, lo and behold, that VHS tape, Marquise, became very valuable because we gave it to like six or seven different people uh, for them to watch <laughs> Tyson and Douglas because we had the tape on HBO, and in those days in 1990, uh, here in the U.S., they didn't replay the fight. Like you said, they didn't replay it till the following week. They built it up and showed it again. Yeah. They had Tyson and Douglas both come to the United States and interviewed them separately and did a whole prepackaged buildup analysis and then showed the replay of the fight. But we had the VHS from that night, the shocking Saturday night in the U.S., Sunday afternoon in Tokyo, as Buster Douglas just uh, outfought Mike Tyson, outslugged him, was tougher, took Tyson's best punches, jabbed him straight right hands to death. Buster Douglas was in the shape of his life for that one night, and it just shows you how yeah. boxing is different. You can put it together in one night and, and beat the guy in front of you and pull off the upset of upsets. Right, Marquise, one more time? Absolutely, TJ. They always give you the old cliche, anyone in the ring has a puncher's chance. That puncher's chance happened exactly for Buster Douglas. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to parlay that to any additional success after this one fight. But on that night, he he was untouchable. And people still argue to this day, if you hear like any hypothetical arguments, TJ, like uh, on any given heavyweight night, if you weren't, if you were to pick anyone in the ring on that night, uh, people were picking Buster Douglas on, on more occasions than not to beat a lot of people at that time. Well, especially he was about 6'3". He was 230 pounds, 
good left jab, good strong right hand behind it. If he was in shape and motivated, but that was always the knock on him that, uh, that he, he wouldn't stay motivated. He had lost his mother. His mother died several weeks before the fight. They had contemplated pulling out of the fight against Mike Tyson because uh, Douglas was so close to his mother and distraught that his mom had died. But I still remember in the, uh, in the documentaries and in the, in the buildup at the time and the documentaries since then, uh, I believe it's Jim Johnson was his manager, his promoter that helped train him. And Jim Johnson was looking at him and saying, Buster, calling him Buster, Buster, you, you have lived for this and worked for this your whole life. Your mama, your mama would want you to fight him. Go ahead and fight him. And Buster Douglas used it as motivation, uh, continued to train, went over to Japan a couple of weeks early. Uh, the, the rumor was that Mike Tyson only trained about two or three weeks right before the fight. And my God, did it look like it when he got in the ring and had yeah. no clue on how to defense the Douglas jab and the straight rights behind it and eventually the uppercut and the indelible image on the cover of Sports Illustrated on the HBO video with that low-level camera of Tyson on all fours, Marquise, with the mouthpiece sideways in his mouth, with Octavio Meron, the, the referee, counting him out. Just incredible. Wow. You talk about picture says a 1,000 words. That picture said 5,000 words of Mike Tyson on all fours with the mouthpiece backwards in the mouth. Incredible, 31 years later, that we're still talking about this upset, and we'll probably talk about it for another 31 years. Absolutely, TJ, because with, with fights like that, it's hard to come across heavyweight upsets that transcend the sport like that. The only one we, everyone can bring up most recently, of course, will be a couple of, couple, couple of years back, a couple of fights back, this uh, Andy Louise guy got a hold of some uh, Anthony Joshua guy. But that's, that has happened very far and few between, and so far very far in between that no one's been able to replicate it. And that, that Ruiz knockout, the seventh round stoppage of Joshua at Madison Square Garden. He's the unified champ, not the undisputed champ, but still it was a shocker. It is probably yeah. in the category with the Sphinx Ali, not, not on the same level because, because Anthony Joshua, not Muhammad Ali. And Anthony Joshua yeah. was certainly not menacing unbeaten Mike Tyson, who had uh, Tyson again, just one more time, before this Douglas fight had yeah. won nine, not one, not two, nine title fights either as part of the heavyweight title or I believe the last five were undisputed title defenses that he had won. And nobody believed that Buster Douglas was going to hear the bell for the third round. That's why he was a 42 to one underdog. But instead yeah. I still remember the Larry merchant line and Larry merchant, the, the great boxing writer, insider analyst for HBO turned 90 years young this week, by the way, as well, here on the big fight weekend podcast, Larry merchant's line as the fight was going on and the crowd of, of 30,000 plus, if not 40,000 in the Tokyo dome, making no noise, just silent watching the fight. Larry merchant said, this is amazing. Something to this effect, the crowd's making no noise it's like they came to see Godzilla and the wrong guy is Godzilla. That was Larry Merchant's line. And he was exactly <laughs> right with what, with what Douglas was doing round after round after round, jabbing, landing the right, landing the left. Uh, it, was a, it was a beautiful exhibition and performance of how to beat the smaller, stronger, bigger punching Tyson by not letting him get close to you. Um, Douglas, Douglas did two other things tactically. If you ever go back and rewatch the fight and fans may very well hear, he constantly mauled Tyson when Tyson got near him, he held him and he mauled him. Don't let him get near you and get off those cracking quick uppercut, left hook, body shot, uppercut, right, left combinations. Don't let him do it. Mug him, mug him. If he gets yeah. near you, another thing he kept doing that was very subtle and the referee Octavio Moran, let him do it was he would constantly, when they would clinch, shove Tyson out of the way. They would be wrestling whatever, shove him to create distance, and then jab and right hand behind it. I mean, you go back and watch the 10 rounds of that fight, there had to be 15 examples of Douglas getting away with a quick little shove, space creator, jab, right hand. Shove, jab, right hand. Shove, jab, right hand. Over and over and over again. Great tactic. It worked, and it helped lead him uh, to uh, an amazing upset of, uh, of Mike Tyson. And we love, as we wind things down here on Big Fight Weekend, I've done a lot of the talking. We love the historical perspective, whether we're talking Leon Spinks, whether we're talking Buster Douglas, Marquise, plug away. We write about it on the site. We love talking about it on the podcast. 
Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, your source for all things boxing news, past, present, and future. Uh, always looking for the historical pieces that are coming up. Uh, also, this time next week, as you know, TJ, uh, it's a BD reunion as well because on HBO, I remember showing this as well. And at back-to-back weeks, we're, we're coming up on the anniversary of uh, Medrick Taylor taking on uh, Julio Cesar Chavez in that classic fight where – Chavez was pretty much six seconds away from defeat, but was snatched yes. away uh, at the very last round, which is a great fight as well. We'll have that all that for you at BigFightWeekend.com, as well as the recaps of everything going on this weekend in the, in the world of boxing. Hopefully, something interesting happens on this top-ranked card. I do want to mention, TJ, before we wrap this up as well, yep. uh, spoke to Adam Sanchez, who has now been bumped in the co-main event of this fight now that uh, Joe Smith and Maximum Vlasov is out of it. Uh, he's the co-main event, 10-rounder. He, he's taking on Jason Sanchez, and Lopez flat out told me, TJ, that he's going to knock this guy out in the sixth round. He's confident about it. He mentioned verbatim, <laughs> there's levels to this game, and he's not on my level. And all that, all, all, that, all the fun smack you love to hear about fighters talking about knocking guys out in the ring. So I'm looking forward to seeing that as well in this top ring card on ESPN on, on Saturday night. All right, so that's on Saturday night. Again, the Joe Smith uh, Vlaslav fight canceled. Vlaslav COVID-19, so that light heavyweight title, will it happen? In another month, will will it have to be somebody else that Joe Smith fights? Remains to be seen. Again, championship doubleheader on the DAZN streaming service uh, involving Jojo Diaz defending his title. The Teixeiro Castanzo, Castaño, excuse me, um, junior middleweight title fight is the co-feature on that one. And then again, earlier in the day, the featherweight Josh Warrington in action now a non-title fight after he ditched the IBF 126-pound belt. We got all of that going, and again, you'll you'll have previews this weekend on the site. You'll have recaps as well uh, for us, Marquise. Going to be some great stuff uh, that we're looking forward to for this weekend. I love it. Thank you for hanging with me here. Uh, lots to lots to go over. Lots to talk about. You help you help me once again keep it in the middle of the road. Looking forward to the action this weekend. One more time, Marquise. Absolutely, TJ. Uh, check check that out as always, guys. Bigfightweekend.com. Looking forward to the action, TJ. And as you know, TJ, if all things considered and nothing crazy happens, and it's it's a small possibility, we got Adrian Bronner back next week, and that circus is back in town. He 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 promised us this, and sure enough, Showtime's going to deliver it to us this time next week. Yeah, Showtime PBC card next Saturday, the twentieth. And again, we want to thank Robert Easter Jr. for being with us, and our folks at Showtime uh, for giving us the opportunity to talk with Robert. Robert Easter Jr. as he fights in the junior welterweight division as a contender. He'd love Josh Taylor or Jose Ramirez. Whoever wins that showdown later this year for the undisputed 140-pound title. We'll see what happens. Uh, great stuff, though, Marquise. Very well. Enjoy all the fights this weekend. Thank you again. Thanks, CJ. Thanks so much. And we thank you for being with us. However you found us again, social media links, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, their network of shows. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, to Big Fight Weekend. Read the site, bigfightweekend.com. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll be back soon with another preview edition of the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Bye. It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, now at your local Honda dealer.